Ladies and gentlemen, recording live from the Road Abode Mobile Studios in fabulous Georgetown, it is time for Creepy Kentucky. Woo! I'm Quinn. And I'm Laura. And I'm Ron. We have a special guest today. Yay! Yay! It is our historical advisor. <laughs> yeah, historical advisor. And what else did we call him the other day? I forget. Um, it was, Chauffeur? No. No. <laughs> now it was something else. Historical advisor and content. Like content advisor. Content no, producer. No. Content producer, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so we were like, well, we thought it would be especially appropriate today since we've got Ron with us to have him sit in on one of our episodes since he stayed in the heart of of skinwalker country yes, yes. oh my god yep, yep for yep. like what four months three months 20 years i'm sure is what it felt like late april until like the 12th 11th of uh well actually 12th of uh september also four and a half months so mm -hmm. about 20 mm -hmm. years is what it felt yeah. like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but not because of the skin. Well, maybe. Well, it could be. It could be like the chaos just kind of radiates out from there. Yeah. Because the uh, the RV park that I I worked at, it was just like total something going on, weird happening. People committing suicide. People dying. Fires. Uh, fi uh, arsons <laughs> burning down. Uh, trailers. Uh, irrigation pipes exploding and geysers of water taller than myself spewing all night long. And yeah, it was. It was. It was weird. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And not in a good way. Okay. So, our topic, if you haven't guessed already, is Skinwalker Ranch. All right. We're taking a little bit of a vacation. We're again. taking a vacation to Utah today. We'll see what happens. <laughs> So. And that's all I recommend doing in Utah yeah. is taking a vacation, vacation. and then leave. Maybe yeah, yeah, even, a, a short maybe, one. Maybe a short not one. even that. <laughs> yeah. So I lived there for years. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I graduated in Utah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So y'all jump in whenever you want, because. Well, we, yeah. give us a little introduction to exactly what to... is Skinwalker Ranch. Thank you for asking, because that was my first paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So skinwalkers, or yay naalushi, naalushi, in Navajo, which means with it he goes on all fours, mm. is a harmful evil witch who can turn into or disguise themselves as an animal. Now, witchcraft is a normal aspect of the cultures in the Southwest, including the Utes, the Navajo, the Pueblo. Mm. Um, there are positive witches who use ceremonies and incantations to help and heal their fellow men and women. There are, however, others, and they turn to the dark side and use their powers to do evil things. Um, to become a skinwalker, a person must reportedly commit a heinous crime, whereupon the person gains supernatural powers. And this is like killing a family member mm. or something along those mm. lines. Incest. <laughs> oh, so like uh, our friends from last episode. Yeah. That. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Them. <Yeah>. <laughs> Were they skin? How? How did they die then? Uh, once they get the skin of an animal, they can turn into that animal. 
So the animal they turn into is predicated upon whatever quality they want out of the animal. Uh, the most popular animals to transform into are coyotes, wolves, foxes, cougars, dogs, and bears. But they can take any form if they have the animal's pelt. Um, skinwalkers can also take control of humans if a person lo locks eyes with them, whereupon the person will say and do things they don't mean to. Mm. And I'm sorry, the wolf made me do it. Yeah. <laughs> I made eye contact with the wolf. And, it, with and the wolf. it made me kill you. I'm gonna, sorry. Yeah, sorry. It's mm. the wolf's fault. And skinwalkers can also control the animals of the night, um, as well as control the spirits of the dead and reanimate their corpses. Ooh. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of similarities here with uh, the vampires in uh, myths, mythology of uh, Eastern Europe. Yeah. With uh, controlling the wolves and night yeah. creatures. Night and, creatures. Uh, bringing the dead back to a, mm -hmm. a and, type of life. And locking eyes. Mm -hmm. Exactly, mean, yeah. Ooh. Vampire yeah. hypnosis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They supposedly can also read minds, cause disease, destroy property, and even cause death. Um, they have also been blamed for sickness, droughts, and crop failures as well. That's... Yeah, people that's, always got blamed for that. Yeah. <laughs> you can always blame the witches for that. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. They reportedly can run as fast as a car in, in high speed and jump high cliffs. Whoa. And skinwalkers reportedly gather in secluded spots away from society to initiate new members, plot activities, harm people from a distance with ritual magic, and perform rites. Uh, Navajos themselves do not talk about skinwalkers because talking about them can reportedly attract them. Mm. So there's that. Even saying the name. Yeah, exactly. Will bring them, will yeah. attract them. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like our, our, our good friend Zozo. Yeah. Or saying his name. Yeah. Or 2020. Yeah. <laughs> or bagel bites. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, Lord help us all. Uh, okay, so the Ute people, after whom Utah was named, uh, first came into being as a distinct group around 1000 to 1200 AD in Eastern California and Southern Nevada, and they migrated to the Four Corners region of the Southwest at about one uh, at about 1300 AD. Um, there were 13 bands in this loose confederation of a nation. And some bands did settle in the Uinta Basin, which is where our story takes place. Yes. And meanwhile, the ancestors of the Navajo entered the Southwest at about 1400 AD. And both peoples were hunter-gatherers at first, but the Navajo adopt, adapted, and adopted many farming techniques from the Pueblo people. Mm -hmm. okay. um, however, okay. there was trade and hunting between the two nations, at least for a while. <laughs> okay okay so how next question now now that we know what skinwalkers are mm -hmm. how did this uh skinwalker curse that we supposedly have in this land start well, i got an answer for that one oh right. okay. <laughs> okay asking questions before they're asked i know so in the 1860s as the united states army yes we're fighting a war on two fronts um, they fought to control the Navajo. So some, not all, I have been reliably read, 
Uh, some Utes sold out the Navajo and helped mm. the U.S. Army track them down. Mm. Helped Kit Carson and his men round up the Navajo. And then the Navajo were forced to walk uh, from 250 to 450 miles to the Bosque Redondo Reservation in East Central New Mexico. And reportedly, this is where the Navajo curse on the Ute lands mm. originated. I, I can see that. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. reasonable cause for a curse. <laughs> yeah. So, as far as the specific Skinwalker Ranch goes, uh, eventually the land of and around the ranch, which is located in northeastern Utah, mm -hmm. Around the Vernal Roosevelt area, yes, um, it what became uh, homesteaded and leased and purchased by ranchers. In 1905, a man named Monk, yes, Monk Shavanaugh, was granted land in part of what is now Skinwalker Ranch, which is basically where homesteads two and three are, and. I read someplace that said the next several years, rumblings and explosions were heard around the ranch. Oh, okay. And if I can just throw in oh, here, no, uh, <laughs> the, the modern-day Skinwalker Ranch is kind of like surrounded on two or three different sides by little blocks of the Native American Reservation. Yeah. And um, so it's kind of difficult to access it, but there is one road where you can drive up to it and and look out on it and see some of the buildings and stuff and yeah well i'll get into more of that a little bit later on yeah. in our, I'm so excited. our broadcast i'm <laughs> so excited <laughs> okay uh in 1914 monk sold his land to henry lister who moved into homesteads two and three um in 1915 this one's weird. A stranger appeared to either the Listers or the Locke family, and the Locke family lived in the area. And uh, they, the stranger was wearing clothes of the period over a bright blue one-piece suit. Hmm. And he reportedly told the family where not to dig on the ranch, and then he vanished. Wow. Sounds like something trying to disguise itself. Mm. I know. As someone from the area. Exactly. Okay. So, in 1930, according to a member of the Locke family, the first known recorded cattle mutilation wow. took place on the ranch. Okay. In 1934, we're going to get to... Okay, so this is the first couple that we really know anything about. Okay. And in 1934, Kenneth and Edith Myers... And uh, he was from Kentucky. Oh, okay. So there was... is a Kentucky connection for this. Yeah. Woohoo! Yeah. We yeah. found it! <laughs> yeah. Um, they leased a three-room house on the ranch from the Listers. And eventually, in 1961, they acquired, like after having pieced it all together, they acquired mm. ownership of the whole thing. Mm. Um, while reports of odd things and high strangeness don't come from the ranch much at that time... The area itself sees plenty of anomalies with dozens of UFO reports in the 50s onward and several cattle mutilations in the 70s. On, okay, so on season two, episode three of The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, my favorite show, there was an interview with an ex-deputy sheriff from the area named Chris Porritt. And he said that he had become friends with Kenneth Myers because they both 
loved riding horses. So he would bring his horses over and they would go for like long rides, like, and Porritz said that, uh, as future owners of the ranch would attest, uh, the Myerses put locks on everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, quote, I get visitors, alien activity, unquote, is what Port claimed Myers mm-hmm. told him about the locks. Quote, things come up missing, things come up dead. I don't know why they've chosen my ranch to pick on me, unquote, oh. is what he said. Hmm. Um, it's because you've got some cursed land. you got some cursed land, dude. Holy, like... Yeah. Blame the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It's their fault. Yeah. Most of everything is Americans' <laughs> fault. <laughs> I really don't have anything to say to that. <laughs> Porter claimed that Myers reported three cows missing. They rode all day looking for them. Finally, they looked in a small shed. The three cows were stacked on top of each other like this. Like, like Jenga. No, yeah. not like Jenga, but like, like Legos. Horror, firewood. Yeah. 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 Like you would Legos. Mm-hmm. Myers thought they had to be dead, but Fort, Port claimed they were alive, and Port asked Myers for a glass of water and when Myers brought it, pour it poured it over the cows. He poured it. Pour it poured it. And they came back to life. Oh. And Port also investigated a cattle mutilation involving two black Angus cows. Uh during the Myers occupancy, the female organs were removed. So were the skull and the neck bone. No blood was observable. And there was also matted grass twenty three feet long and poor it presumed it was a cigar shaped UFO. Wow. Uh meanwhile the whole lack of blood thing. Yeah, Th- yeah that's really is what bothers me yeah. about Skidwalker yeah. Ranch yeah, is yeah. all the mutilations that happen and yeah. there's no blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as someone who raised Angus cattle and had to deal with them and like midwife babies and stuff. They they have a lot of blood in them, yeah. <laughs> and, and they but yeah they they bleed copiously. Uh, meanwhile, the brother of uh, Kenneth Myers claimed that there was never anything paranormal that happened on the ranch. Hmm. <laughs> so, okay, okay. <laughs> Find cows stacked up like yeah. three Poor kids in a trench coat, hey, whatever <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, trying to sneak into a rated R movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too good for one please (laughs) i want to go to a movie (laughs) (laughs) i met film (laughs) no butter on that popcorn (laughs) no butter I would like a glass of milk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. People. Uh, Well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kenneth Myers died in uh, 1987. So, and I heard that either the ranch was abandoned until 1994 or his widow lived there alone until her death in 1994. And when did he pass? 1987. So it was about seven years. Wow. Um, So after her death, and this is where we get into the real 
uh, the bread and butter. Yeah, we're saying yeah, the, the quote unquote bread and butter. So we are having butter on this one. We're getting uh, into the meat of it the now. Meat of it. Yeah. Yeah, ironic. Um, the 512 acre ranch was purchased by Terry and Gwen Sherman. Um, so Terry Sherman had degrees in like cattle breeding and rearing. Um, so the normal attrition rate on a cattle ranch was about 5% in the area. His goal was to establish a ranch with an attrition weight of 1%. Mm. That was what he wanted. And at that point, it was known locally as the Sherman Ranch. Okay. So at this point, the Shermans were unaware of a lot of things. <laughs> so let's take a look at some of the things the Shermans were unaware of. Um, first of all, they were unaware of the history of high strangeness mm. that happened in the Uinta Basin. Um, all that they knew was that when they bought the ranch, everything was locked up or chained down. And they had very specific instructions that absolutely no digging was to take place unless they notified the previous owner's estate. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the Shermans just thought that the previous owners were very eccentric. The Shermans also, yeah, quote unquote, crazy, uh, did not know about the vast number of UFO sightings in the Uinta Basin, which were meticulously cataloged by Junior Hicks, a local high school science teacher who spent literally decades of his life interviewing eyewitnesses. In fact, he interviewed so many from that tiny little sparsely populated area that he had a form typed up to make questioning people easier. Yeah. Oh, geez. That was how many, that was how many UFO sightings they had was that he had a form ready to go. Yeah. And, and in this same general vicinity, there is a, a small RV park called the uh, UFO Valley RV park because it's that before Skinwalker Ranch TV show, that area was most known for UFO sightings mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's only since the TV show that the Skinwalker thing has kind of like become the, the big uh, publicity thing for the area. And, okay, so, uh, yeah, no, no. Um, Hicks also noted numerous Bigfoot sightings in the area as well. And here's going to be your favorite part. Uh. The Shermans also didn't know about Bottle Hollow Reservoir. There we go, all right. Which was next to their ranch right behind the Long Mesa at the north side of their property. Literally, a sea serpent has been reported in the reservoir by many people, although it was only created in the 1970s. An unusually large number of people have died there, according to tribal police, and they have, and tribal police have seen snake-like creatures in the water, mm. which have been unofficially blamed for some of the deaths. Oh, okay. And strange lights have also been seen entering mm -hmm. and leaving the lake. Mm -hmm. And you stayed there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Twice. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, three times. Three times. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bottle Hollow, is. it's a really interesting uh, lake. It's absolutely, the little campground there on the Ute Reservation has become one of my absolute favorite ones. It's just such a tranquil place. And uh, When it's not sea when it, Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> when it's not all sea serpentine. Yeah. Um, it gets its name. There's two stories about how it gets its name. Um, the, the, I guess you'd say the, uh, 
Gringo Honky Paleface version of the story <laughs> is, is that when in the 70s when they were getting ready to, to make the reservoir, it had been used as the area had been used as a dump and it was all full of whiskey bottles and beer bottles that the, oh. the Indians had thrown in there. Nice. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, but now the, the Ute version of the story is that back in the early days when cattle ranching was beginning and they were still doing the roundups and branding and stuff, that the you could block off an area in the back, a very small area, and then herd the cattle into this, and they, they would be bottled up. Bottle they couldn't up. get up, oh. and hence the name Bottle Hollow. Okay. And I kind of like the Ute version better, yeah. <laughs> better than yeah, the... Yeah, that's less yeah. racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, a small lake. You it's can see beautiful, it's too. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, and I've stayed there, like I say, three times, and saw some odd lights over in the vicinity of where the the ranch would have been on the other side of the lake and one time there was a helicopter flying around over it with a light shining down on the the lake and so i don't know if that's going to show up in the coming season of uh of skinwalker ranch some of this stuff but i don't know every once in a while they do show like the every once in a while they show like the you can see the lake in the background yeah yeah you sent me some photographs (laughs) that you that you'd gotten off the tv yeah um, so also, the uh, Shermans did not know about the nearby graveyard for the legendary Buffalo Soldiers being built over the over being built over uh, with housing by the Ute Tribal Housing Division, and the strange incidents that this action has brought on. The Shermans also didn't know about Dark Canyon, which is nearby, which is the reported home of the Skinwalkers. And that their ranch was supposedly in the path of the skinwalkers. Mm. So there was a lot of stuff that the Shermans did not yeah, know. Yeah. They needed to read the fine print. Yeah, <laughs> they were yeah, yeah, anything. Yeah, they needed yeah. to get somebody in to be like with the microphone, yeah. the, my, little the little magnifying glass. glass going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute here. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> What's this? Um, so, okay. There's skinwalkers everywhere. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> okay, so a few days after moving onto the ranch, the Shermans had their first, just first, encounter with high strangeness. As they were working on the ranch, uh, Terry noticed a huge animal in the distance. Um, it seemed to be a huge wolf. It approached the family, and they saw that it was about three times the size of a regular wolf. Mm. However, it appeared very friendly and tame, came up to Terry's chest, came up to him, let him pet it, let the whole family pet it. Um, Suddenly, so there were a couple of calves in a corral nearby, and one of the calves was sticking its head out of the corral. Not good. This is not good. The huge wolf, like in a like in a split second, saw that calf and took took off, grabbed the calf by its snout, and was trying to pull it out of the corral. Oh my gosh! Mm. So the calf, as you can imagine, was squealing in pain. The wolf's teeth were just clamped down on it. The Sherman shot at the wolf with bigger and bigger guns. Like they started with the small one, they went to a three fifty seven. Finally, the dad was like, get me my 30-06, which I assume mm. is large. I don't mm. know anything about guns. I don't either. 
they finally started shooting at it with this. And it finally let go. Did not drop. Mm. Just let the calf go. Wow. Um, they should have had silver bullets. Yeah, really. Yeah, That's what they but... needed. That was something else they didn't know. They were going to need <laughs> silver bullets. Um, a chunk of flesh ripped out of the wolf. The wolf turned and loped off. Um, and weren't they shooting at it point blank? Yeah. Too, like, oh, yeah, they were right up on it. Even closer and it. closer at it. Yeah. 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 And it was still... Mm. Fine, it seems. Yeah. So, Terry and his son uh, took off after it. They tracked it over the ranch until the footprints came to a halt in the middle of a muddy patch by the creek. There was no- nothing at, like, they pat- They got there. There was one last set of prints. It was gone. <laughs> the wolf was gone. And... um. So they go. They went back to the corral area, and they noticed that when they had shot the wolf the last time, a piece of flesh had come off of it. It was smelly and putrid, like it was decaying. So the family could not identify the species of wolf, and the closest they could come up to with was the like they were looking at different types mm-hmm, of wolves. Mm-hmm. Was the dire wolf. Which was went extinct about yeah, twelve thousand yeah. to fourteen thousand years oh, ago. Well. <laughs> well, they said that they could bring stuff back to life mm. too. Maybe, yeah, yeah. and that could be Maybe. why it smelled all putrid and yeah. decaying because oh it was god. actually I dead. I never thought of that. Oh my yeah. god! Uh, yeah. yeah. Or if they found a, a mummified <gasps> corpse of one in one of the caves, they could have skinned it and oh put that on. Oh my god! And, and yeah. yeah. I just uh, thought of that in. Like relation to the portals that they're always mm-hmm. talking oh, about yeah. that are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but that uh, makes even yeah. that within the story mm-hmm. that makes way more sense. Oh my well, god! Well, in the the panel discussion that I I saw, they were talking about one night when uh, they it was late in the evening and it was dark and they could see something large animal moving through and they went towards it to try and it kept a distance from them. And uh, it was cold weather, and they were all bundled up in their big heavy jackets. And one of the guys got tangled in a uh, barbed wire fence, and they kind of lost sight of it while he was getting him out. Oh God! But uh, and it, it reportedly was Dragon. was like uh, bear size, but not oh a bear. God. Oh my God! Like it could have been like a dire wolf. Oh jeez! So they though they in the in the panel discussion they didn't say dire wolf. They didn't. They just said it was something big and. The size of yeah. a bear, but not a bear. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Man. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Uh, a few weeks later, Gwen was coming home from work when she saw another huge wolf. Um, it came close to her car, and she noticed with horror that it was taller than her car. Mm. Oh, my God. Another animal was standing at a greater distance from her. Um, it looked like a huge dog, but she couldn't identify it. So she floored it home and she vowed to lodge a complaint at the sheriff's office about these animals, but she was told that there hadn't been wolves in the Uinta area since 1929 when the last one was shot. Hmm. And the strange things weren't confined to the outdoors. Things were going missing in the house only to turn up later in totally different places. 
uh, frighteningly, Gwen's hairbrush and towel would vanish from her bathroom as she was taking a shower with the door locked. Oh, I don't think that. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, no, thank you. Once, after grocery shopping, she put all the groceries away and left the kitchen, only to find all the groceries back out on the kitchen table when she came back in a few minutes later. That reminds me of the greatest movie ever, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, yeah. Yeah. It's Zool. It is. Zool did it. Zool. I mean, at this point, it fucking well might be Zool. I don't know. This place is weird. And Gwen wasn't the only one. It's built one. right on top of Spook Central. <laughs> <laughs> Real life Man, Spook Central. We need to we need to do this live more often. Yes, we do. We need to do this all together more often. Um, so Terry, okay. He wasn't she wasn't the only one who was missing items. Terry once rushed into their home demanding who to know who moved his post digger. No one claimed to have had anything to do with it. And a few weeks later, he found it about 30 feet high up in a tree. No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, post hole diggers are awkward gizmos. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and <laughs> no tree, tree-dwelling no animal is going to drag tree. one up into... Yeah. No porcupine got a hold of it and yeah. carried it up into a tree because right. they're... Yeah, I feel like That's they'd weird. be bigger than a porcupine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, just slightly. But you know, something like a dire wolf could have easily, like, yeah, maybe could just yeah grabbed it and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. launched it just to piss them off. Yeah, yeah. So the Shermans saw lights go from the sky to the ground and from the ground to the sky, and they also heard voices in the air above them. Oh, mm. yeah. I don't like that at all. Um, so one night, Terry, his son, and his nephew, who was living on the ranch for the summer, uh, went outside to check on the cows. Um, Terry looked to the west to see the headlights of an RV on the west side of the property. So he knew it was trespassers, mm-hmm. so he went after it. They all three were, like, chasing after it. When they got about 200 yards away, the RV started to move away from them. And it was, like, as fast as they were going after it, it was going away. Um, was its headlights still facing them? I don't know. Okay. Um, Terry, as they hurried after it, Terry wondered why it was moving so smoothly and not bouncing on the ruts on the ground. Nor could he hear an engine. Hmm. Suddenly, they realized that the RV was lifting itself off the ground, and it climbed over the fence in the trees, disappearing into the distance. Ooh, that's the kind of RV I want. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Ron Lee's car. That's how I picture it. The flying Ford Anglia. Yeah. <laughs> they all then realized that the RV wasn't an RV, but was actually an oblong black box-shaped object. And as it vanished in the distance, Terry couldn't answer the boys' questions of what the mysterious mm. object was. Mm. That was another thing they said was really... Because, like, they just didn't know, and it was... Like, they had no answers for why any of this was yeah. going on, mm-hmm. and it was so, like, demoralizing for them. Yeah, yeah. So, Terry would spend nights during the first winter on the ranch chasing other lights, which seemed to know he was trying to follow it. And the lights would leave whenever they sensed his presence. So, on another night, Gwen saw that same, or what she thought was that same RV-shaped object parked on their property. But this time, from where she was standing, the interior was lit up inside of the RV, and she could see what looked like a desk there. 
And as she watched, suddenly a huge figure all in black sat down at the desk. And then after a while, it stood up and walked to the doorway of the RV. And she felt like it was looking at her. Hmm. She could see, um, like, it was huge, like, huge, all in black. So she was alone in the house that night. So she called Terry and begged him to come home from wherever it was he was, which he did driving all night to get there in the morning. Mm -hmm. And when he arrived, they walked together to where the RV was, and they found huge 18-inch footprints in the mud. Oh, Lordy. Oh, God. Sometimes they would see, yeah. 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 Sometimes they would see orange lights in the sky. Orange was Bigfoot. Yeah. (laughs) I know. That's what I thought about, too. Or what looked like orange lights. And at times, the lights would open, and they could see different skies through the opening. Oh, wow. And we will get to Mm. that also. Mm. There's another story later. Um, The Shermans also began losing their prized cattle. And oftentimes, the ranchers would track their animals' footprints through mud or snow and the, until the footprints would completely disappear in the middle of the field, just like the dire wolf. Just like that. Just like that. <laughs> yeah. Just like Ron's shirt. we got to take a big picture. Like it just shirt. got sucked up. up. Yeah. yeah. And other times, it was horrifically obvious as to what had happened to the cattle. Um, their anuses and reproductive organs would be removed with far more precision than any animal attack could render. This was heartbreaking on not only a financial level, but on a very personal level for them. And out of a herd of 80, they lost 14 head of cattle before they sold the ranch. Oh, my God. Yeah. The final straw in their two years on the ranch came one evening when a blue orb was... Okay, so this story is horrific. Is this the dogs? Yes. Oh, man. I've not been looking forward to this yeah. part. <laughs> when a blue orb was dancing around the sky above the property, the family was used to seeing orbs in the area, but for some reason on this evening, Terry turned his dogs loose after it. As the dogs ran to it, their barks turned to yelps of pain, and as he and his family ran to investigate, they saw three greasy spots in the field where the dogs had been. Ooh. Vaporized. And so at that that. point, Terry Sherman said, I'm done with this. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I don't want to order. I I would never send my dogs after weird lights that I'm seeing. Like, no. You know, like the one guy whose dog disappeared, apparently chasing Mothman. Mothman, exactly. Yeah, like. It's the same with that. Yeah. I would never let my dogs chase after. A weird Anything. I barely let them chase after skunks. They chase it and then, they, well, they pull you over. Yeah. And they do that. Or the cat, you know? They yeah. don't let them chase after anything. Yeah. So, in 1996, after about 20 months uh, of owning the ranch, the Shermans sold it for $200,000 to a man named Robert Bigelow. Mm. And Robert Bigelow was born in 1944, grew up in Las Vegas, and at about 12, he decided that his future lay in space travel. He did not have the mathematical ability to actually do any kind of space mm-hmm. travel. Me. So, <laughs> yeah, I have trouble balancing my checkbook. <laughs> I'm not going to space. Yeah. So he also decided that he was going to make enough money to be able to hire people to achieve his dreams for him. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I'm going to hire someone else to do yeah. that. <laughs> there you go. I mean, yeah. It's what the accounts mm-hmm. are for. When you're so rich, you don't have to do math. Yeah. 
Like Elon <laughs> That's <Wolf>. rich. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he doesn't have to do humaning, so. From the mm-hmm. 60s onward, he ran a commercial real estate empire featuring hotels, motels, and apartments. He owns the Budget Suites of America Change, which he started in 1987, and his current worth is estimated to be about $700 million. Okay. So he can hire plenty of smarty people. Math people. Yeah. So in 1995, he established the National Institute for Discovery Science, or NIDS. Its mission was to bring scientific studies and methods to the paranormal. Because he's a big fan of the paranormal, he just doesn't like the way other people do it apparently was what i heard so ads were placed in scientific journals for scientists to apply to work with the group several applications were received and many of the scientists who worked for nids are still anonymous but those who aren't but of those who aren't the list includes colm Kelleher, who is co-author of the hunt for the skinwalker book colonel dr john alexander who was head of the non-lethal defense program at Los Alamos mm. after retiring from the Army, where he was a proponent of using the paranormal in warfare. Mm. And Dr. Eric Davis, who is an expert in interstellar flight and quantum theory, amongst many other disciplines. So, after the sale of the ranch, Terry Sherman and his family bought a house 25 miles away. However, Terry stayed associated with the ranch by becoming its foreman because he could not allow it to defeat him totally. Mm, good guy. Yeah, big mistake. Oh. <laughs> also, Whoops. big mistake. Whoops. <laughs> Meanwhile, members of NIDS began their observations of the ranch. Security cameras were installed across the ranch, and the NIDS team set up experiments encompassing many aspects of the ranch, like seed and soil studies. They surveyed the area for geomagnetic anomalies. They even searched the property for hallucinogenic plants. Mm. Um, Mostly, though, they waited for the phenomenon to occur. So the team used dogs as guards and biosensors, and as part of this, the team built three dog runs with observational towers in the fields, and they're still there. At every step, the phenomena threw monkey wrenches at them. Wires and padlocks vanished, and the gates were found open, and other times the phenomenon was equally mischievous. Uh, Incidents would happen just off camera, or the camera would mysteriously malfunction just as something would happen. But by 1998, the NIDS team had a list of 78 incidents, including orbs, beams of light, UAPs, phantom structures on camera, and even something that sheared off the tops of several trees. Oh, wow. With the cameras malfunctioning, I feel like that's a common thing in paranormal, is it draws Mm -hmm. the energy from the cameras Mm -hmm. to be able to do something. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's the, these guys at the the panel discussion were talking about how often uh, batteries to equipment gets just just totally drained out. Yeah, and it's like I just put this thing in here, it's, yeah. and they're like the big cycle stroke batteries that I marine batteries that mm-hmm. I have on here, and it's just like I've run for years on this thing, and right, and, and it drained, and then it gets drained overnight. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of power. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, here comes the the opening. Okay. In 1996, Terry Sherman and one of the NIDS teams were conducting a night vision survey of the ranch from the top of the mesa when they saw a dull yellow light hovering over the road by Homestead 2. 
The light grew bigger and bigger until it was about four feet across. The two men had on their night vision goggles. Suddenly, the opening looked like a tunnel. They saw a humanoid crawling out of the tunnel. It was an eight-foot-tall black creature with a head and no neck. It actually grabbed the sides of the tunnel, pulled itself out, and ran off into the darkness. Ooh, okay. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd be running off in the opposite direction yeah. <laughs> if I saw that happen. Which way did it go? Okay. It went that way? Okay, I'm that way. <laughs> Bye. Uh, okay. And this one is also pretty familiar sounding, too. So, in 1999, Terry and his wife uh, had come across some strange tracks around Homestead, too, unlike any he'd ever seen before. At about 2 p.m., they were driving past a corral containing four extremely valuable Black Angus and Simmental bulls, and they were worth thousands of dollars each. Terry's a good steak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At that price, it better be. Yeah. Uh, so they were talking about how devastating it would have been to lose those animals when they were living on the ranch. You never talk. Do don't you jinx never... yourself like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So on the way back, they realized that the corral was empty. Uh, Terry and Gwen looked everywhere but couldn't find the bulls. Terry, on a hunch, went into the next corral and walked over to a storage trailer. He opened the door, and the four bulls were squashed up against each other in the trailer. And it was, like, maybe this size. Oh, wow. And he yelled at his wife that he'd found them. Uh, At that point, the animals woke up and went crazy. They destroyed the inside of the trailer in minutes. Mm -hmm. And it took the Shermans four hours to get the bulls back to their corral. There was only one way into the trailer from the into the corral and from that trailer and it was locked and the the uh what the hell did i write <coughs> the cobwebs hadn't been disturbed Ooh. and overall oh. 12 more cows died or disappeared after the big load buyout while their neighbors lost several cows as well hmm. wow. so it's almost like the those cows got teleported in there yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. they got wow. ported like that's they got a like they hundred percent like portal them or something yeah. mm, like wow. they, yeah. yeah that is freaky. In two thousand four, Nids was disbanded by Bigelow. However, that did not stop the study of the ranch by a Bigelow group. But now he was working with the government. Um, in two thousand five, the book Hunt for the Skinwalker was published. It was written by Colm Kelleher, the Nids member, and George Knapp, who is a Las Vegas-based reporter who has long covered stories of high strangeness. Um, Oh, shoot. I meant to... Okay, so this goes back before this. Okay, sorry. Uh, Some of the most damning, uh, alarming reports from the ranch come from the phenomenon of hitchhikers. Oh, yes. uh, Where paranormal incidents follow people home from the ranch. Oh. Even people who make short visits report that events of high strangeness have followed them home from sightings of weird creatures in their homes to poltergeist phenomena. In some cases, the hitchhiker has jumped from the ranch visitor to spouse to kids to neighbors and even to kids' friends in school. In other cases, the hitchhiker has lasted for years in the life of someone who wasn't even on the ranch. Oh my god. 
Yeah, this is, after having read that in one of the the books that Laura loaned me, that's one of the main reasons why. <laughs> I, I drove by the ranch and I looked into the ranch, but I did not go up to the fence. I did not stick my hand over into ranch territory. Oh, no. I, I kind of kept a distance. and. Oh, God, no. Actually, I'm kind of glad I didn't see anything really super freaky on the ranch territory. Later on, I did see some lights, and we'll get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> So, in 1997, Robert Bigelow established Bigelow uh, Aerospace. Uh, his tra- still, his space still, travel yeah, company. Still his dream still of going exists, in yeah. space. Uh, Bigelow also had a program with Bigelow Aerospace called Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies, or BASS. And BASS was funded by a program within the Defense Intelligence Agency called OSAP the Advanced Aerospace Weapon System Applications Program, with a contract that lasted 27 months and funneled $22 million to Bass. And some of this money was diverted to study the Skinwalker Ranch. So the OSAP program had its inception when James Lekatsky, the Defense Intelligence Agency Program Manager, read the book Hunt for Skinwalker. He then contacted Bigelow, who flied him to Skinwalker Ranch and gave him a tour. And while they were at the main homestead, um, Bigelow and the ranch manager stopped to have a conversation. And Lekatsky was standing off to one side. Behind them, he could see an object appear like a small UFO. He looked away, then looked back, and it was still there, and then he saw it disappear. He didn't say anything about it, but when he got back to Washington, he wrote up the proposal for OSAP, and by the end of the 27 months, more than 100 technical reports had been delivered Mm. to the Defense Intelligence Agency. Much of the evidence the Basque has collected is still classified. Wow. Oh. So, in uh, 2016, this is the end. Uh, This is the most recent iteration. Okay. So, in 2016, uh, Skinwalker Ranch was sold by Bigelow to Salt Lake City real estate mogul Brandon Fiesel. For a few years, he remained anonymous, but he revealed his ownership and began producing a History Channel show, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, which began airing in 2020. The show features several team members who investigate several phenomena, including orbs, UAPs, animal death, and strange illnesses among the team and visitors. In other words, the high strangeness at Skinwalker Ranch continues. And there's Skinwalker Ranch. All right. All right. (laughs) <laughs> now so in uh um early september while i was working out at uh, vernal utah they have what they call the phenomicon which is a a kind of a uh ufo gathering for all kinds of high strangeness and one of the panel discussions was the five members who are the kind of the on-screen stars of yeah. skinwalker ranch so we figured it was travis taylor Dragon, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Bard, mm-hmm. the other science guy. Yeah. Thomas Winterton, mm-hmm. I think probably. He yeah. probably had a cowboy hat on. Yeah, indeed. And uh, someone else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, I, it, I'm slightly hampered because I have actually never seen an episode of the TV I know. show. I, he's slightly hampered because he's never seen an episode. He was there. I'm slightly hampered because I've seen them all multiple times. And <laughs> I wasn't was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, um, they, they talked about how there were times when this felt like some of the phenomenon there broke reality. And, and just like alternate things could happen. They also spoke about how often uh, 
one of them would be getting ready to say something, and one of the others would say it in the exact words that he was planning on using, that there was like thoughts being transferred from one of them to the next. Wow. And uh, they also talked about how none of them can stay there on the ranch for prolonged periods of time, that the, it becomes just stressful just being there. Oh. And that they have to get off and take a break and get away from it um, sometimes. Wow. Um, so, also, they were saying, well, let me take my glasses off so I can read my notes here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that of all the film that they take in the, when they're shooting during the season, only about 1% of it actually makes it into the TV wow. shows. Oh, there's a lot of stuff that they, they film that, that we don't see. Oh, wow. And that... Uh, uh, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And so they said that they get asked a lot by people... Well, why didn't you follow up this? Why didn't you follow up that? And he said, in a lot of cases we did, and it just wasn't dramatic enough to make it onto the TV. Yeah. So we we yeah. we cut that out. I can believe that. Yeah. And uh, and like they were saying too, like it's really hard to study. It's really hard to quote scientifically study something that doesn't repeat itself. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they mm-hmm. said, uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, they're they're hampered by uh, funding because a lot of the things that they would like to do are just like super expensive. Yeah. Plus, they they also don't want to damage the environment too much. Yeah. Because a lot of the stuff it seems like there may be a like a magnetic anomaly underneath this one uh, area of of rock. Right. It's part of the mesa, and they yeah. said, well, we could you know get the bulldoze and stuff and dig it out but what if we dig it out and there's nothing there then we've destroyed this beautiful area of scenery for nothing that, for, nothing. for nothing and that there's we so they're trying to limit their environmental impact well do they and still have that caveat that they can't dig without they, they never said so. anything about they that never said, yeah they've been told not like they've been told about don't dig and they've dug mm-hmm but it always, they said it always seems to happen that if they dig, something happens. Mm. Something weird happens after that. All right. And, yeah, they're, they're, one of the things that they were concentrating on is, is this aspect of the magnetic anomaly that yeah. seems to be triggering a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And um, so they've even started using lasers to fire up to some of the, the gps satellites to try to coordinate and see if the lasers are are bent by the magnetic force and stuff like that that's is, cool mm-hmm, that is cool yeah. wow and i said that well you know that's all that technology up there in space is is kind of free for them to use at the government oh, nice. yeah, it's like it's there and okay we're gonna bounce a laser off of it so <laughs> why not yeah yeah um uh, and that uh, one of the quotes is uh, that it's uh, something going on that doesn't answer to our way of thinking. Yeah. That uh, if if you just figure out how whatever it is is controlling this thinks, maybe we would better understand it. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've often thought about, like UFOs, ghosts, mm-hmm. like Bigfoot. Like we're coming at that through our own perception. Exactly. Like yeah. we, like. It's got its own perception. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and it's probably not ours. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Humans are very 
yeah, limited in our stupid. thinking. If that's what you meant by humans are very limited in their thinking. <laughs> yes, that is humans what I meant. Are very humans stupid. are stupid. And we also said that they, and I'm not sure I understand exactly what they mean by this, but you're not sure whether it is someone or something causing it. The distinction between someone and something, I'm not sure. Would an alien sentient race be a someone or something? Or know. is the someone only going to be some human agency? Human agency. I don't That's know. what I kind of yeah. think they probably mean. Yeah. Is it's is it like some kind of ghost or uh, mm-hmm. a spirit that's making all this yeah. happen, or is it something that's otherworldly oh, okay. or okay. other right. universe yeah. mm-hmm. or... And um, they said that they have had times when they have had to call law enforcement because they they end up with people in body armor. With weapons at the at the gates, saying that they want to come on, that, that we know that there's snake people or whatever, and, and they they've had to like really be careful because oh, there's geez. a lot of weirdos out there that are uh, adding to their stress level. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And oh um, my god! <laughs> I want to fight some aliens. <laughs> oh, fight a direwolf. <laughs> And, I don't. I'm yeah. gonna lose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got body armor. I'm good. I can make it. Oh, <laughs> uh, and they said that they feel it's very. They're trying to do this as credibly as they can and take the science seriously, and uh, but that sometimes it's kind of difficult because they are on a basically a reality TV show. Yeah, yeah. And so they they feel like you know sometimes we're not being taken as seriously as we would like to be. Yeah. Because people have mm-hmm. that mentality yeah. of, oh, it can be staged. It can't be real mm-hmm. because it's on TV. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just as many people who think, there's almost as many people who think that as there are people who think, oh, it's on TV. It must be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw it on the internet. It's I saw fact. it on the internet. Yeah. It's yeah. got to be true. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, and then then also I had my, my camping experiences when I, I just had to get away from the campground I was working at. And went to the Ute Reservations uh, Bottle Hollow Reservoir. We have a nice little campground. And uh, I would park in. You're supposed to back into the sites. I would pull in so I could look out my windshield across the lake towards the, the ranch. And several nights there would be strange glow. One, the first time it was like there was this explosion. This suddenly red glow just went up and then wow. faded out. And then there was like this brightness on just barely perceivable above the ground. And then a, I I can only describe it as like a glowing red hump appeared. And then right at the the edge of the horizon, where it rose above the horizon, this red light shot out. Oh my God. And then another red hump came up and then they both just disappeared down. That's weird. And (laughs) and yeah, and I'm trying to think, if they were trying to... Film something. Well, how would they produce this effect? It's like yeah, you know. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, there is a road that runs across there, but I can assure any anybody that this was not the tail lights of a car because it would have had to have been a car driving backwards with its brakes on to have a bright enough red light. Probably yeah, exactly. at about 65, 70 miles an hour. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, that's and that's I don't think that's going to happen. No. Uh, and then, like I say, the one, one night there was the uh, uh, helicopter 
that just kind of like flew around the edge of the lake and over the, the ranch area and then started coming across the lake towards uh, the, the campground. And then, and you could see its lights reflecting across. It was very pretty, the lights reflecting across the waves of the lake. <laughs> and then and then it kind of made a, a turn to the, it would have been to the east, and then went back out over the edge of the, the lake and then went on up, I assume, to, to Roosevelt, to an airport there, to, to land. And again, this may be something that's going to appear on the next season of yeah, uh, we'll Skinwalker. Yeah, And uh, the, one I, of the guys said that... Uh, you know, so far, you know, we, we've things that you've we've learned and things we revealed were about this high. And he put his hand about a foot over the table. But this next season, we're going to be way up, and he put his hand like four foot above the, the table. Oh, said that this yeah. Next, this next, so he said, and he said, you know, we contractually we can't say too awful much about what's coming up, but it's going to be big. Oh my God, I can't wait. <laughs> oh my God. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. We're at 56, about 56 and a half. Okay. Before we go, I've got something for both of y'all <gasps> from, <gasps> from you. That is Dinah. There's a 30-foot statue on the east side of Vernal that's become the, the town mascot. <gasps> oh, thank you. And that's one of the replicas of it. That... That's so cute. <coughs> thank you. You're thank welcome. Thank you. Yes. All right. <laughs> well... We have an email. Yes. Creepykentucky at gmail.com. And we have a Twitter and an Instagram, and that's also at creepykentucky. Yeah, and, um, well, who are we going to, what the hell? I don't I'm just going to just go Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> okay. Right. okay. Three, two, one. Skinwalker, Skinwalker Ranch. Ranch. What, what the, the hell? hell?